0: It's a really quick, it's a really quick weed. I turned into Elmer Fudd off a. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. It's a really quick weed. Uh, uh, anyway.
1: Open the show with this.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I'm going to. I'm
1: going to. You don't like the Drake. Hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could
2: you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. No.
1: Do you like the drake? I love the drake. What about
2: the drake? No screw the drake.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s, 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Them. love the
0: drake got to love the drake
1: i'm impressed what can i say i'm irresistible Hello everyone, welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake Comic Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is brought to you by the Batman net, your home for all things, Batman and Robin. We're part of the Batman Universe Podcasting Network. We're also part of Batman on Films Podcast Network, and they are at Batman Podcast So you can find out a bunch of great shows on both podcast networks. Welcome to episode seventy. You can get a hold of us a few different ways at Facebook.com slash everyone loves a Drake. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. We are also on Instagram. The email for the show is Robin ELTD podcast at yahoo.com. And we're also on YouTube. I can't believe we are at seventy episodes of the show. That is so cool to be able to say. Um and just think, uh, three or four years ago when we started this show, uh, it was just a one-man show, and kind of right now it is. I'll explain more of that in just a second. I would have loved to thought, oh, it'd be great to do, you know, seventy episodes someday. I was just hoping that I could get through ten episodes and not wreck this whole entire podcast. But here we are at seventy, and a uh, hundred is not that far away—just some thirty more episodes to go, but we'll we'll tackle 100 uh, later. But welcome to this episode. This is going to be a Frankenstein bit of an episode. I think our last one was, and this one was too. We were originally supposed to have Ian Miller on here. He's a contributor and writer on the Batman uh, universe. He's a big Stephanie Brown fan, so we thought, hey, that would be pretty cool to bring Ian on here and talk about uh, Robin 16 that we're going to be reviewing on this episode, and we all got together... I even put out a tweet mentioning that he was going to be on the show. And, you know, a lot of podcasters use Skype, and we have been toying around with Zencaster. And uh, for whatever reason, Terrence's computer isn't able to handle Zencaster quite uh, well. He's not getting enough uh, data through. So Ryan had another program called Cast. And after we were trying to get. Uh, Terrence's mic up and get everything going on Uh, we noticed that Ian was having like a dinner or a wine tasting (laughs) I think at his family's restaurant so there was a lot of background noise there from him and then getting through Zencaster and getting into Skype or uh, not Skype but a cast Uh, My computer decided to do a complete restart, and uh, it was going to upload uh, a Windows 8.1. My computer can't handle Windows 8.1. So it was just a comedy of errors, if you will. When When I finally got back online... Terrence and Ryan had said, hey, we just told Ian we'll do something later. They were trying to get Terrence's mic all set up through cast, uh, which we were going to record. So while we were all finally back on, once I got my computer back up and running again, we decided, you know what? Because we started recording at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night, which was already pretty late. And by the time we got around to recording something, an hour had passed. So we were pushing 11, 11. 15 before we even recorded Anything for the show. So we thought rather than have the whole night just kind of go to crap, Ryan said, well, why don't we just do the letter section that we normally do at the end of the episode? And we also did uh, what was going on in the other Bat books uh, the month that Robin 16 came out. So we kind of got that out of the way. So at least that part was set up and recorded. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll handle 16. As a solo type of a show and add you guys on. I had let them know on the following Sunday, hey, I'm going to record at three o'clock. If you guys want to jump on, go ahead. So they said, yeah, sure, great. We'll do that. So you'll hear us in just a little bit that all three of us are on the show, minus Ian, because it was going to be kind of haphazard. I was just going to record this by myself. So it locked out the Terrence and Ryan schedules just happened to open up that uh, the three of us could talk about this. So we will get Ian back on when Stephanie makes her appearance again in the Robin series. I believe it's issue 25 when she comes back on. So we'll have him there. So for this episode, we're going to be talking about Robin 16 and showcase 95 that came out uh, two weeks after Robin 16. So that is why everything is going to kind of sound a little different. But the cool thing is you really won't notice that much of a difference because we're using the same program both times. So our discussion is going to flow right into the letters section, and it's going to sound hopefully seamlessly. Ryan is just now sending me the uh, files over. So that is that for why 16 is the way that it is and why 15 was the way (laughs) that it was. But the other reason was that we wanted to get this episode out. Uh, This is where some of you are going to go, aw, this will be the last episode Until the drama. So this episode is supposed to be released, as long as everything goes according to plan, Wednesday the 28th. So that is going to be in three days. So as you're listening to this, it's the 25th on Sunday for me. So uh, I've got three days, actually two days to get this put together and get it sent to Dustin over at the Batman Universe. So the reason that this is going to be the last episode is I want to make sure that I have enough time to finish editing the final stages of the drama. Um, everything is sounding really good. There's At this time that I'm recording, there's only two uh, vocal tracks that I need from a couple individuals, so their parts aren't quite up to the part where I'm editing yet, so that's that's not too bad. But I want to make sure that I have kind of my undivided attention. I didn't want to get... Doing the radio drama and then doing the Drake at the same time. And also, we have yet to record our discussion. Portion for uh, Detective Comics 965, 66, 67, and 68. That is a lonely place of living. So, we're going to be doing that, uh, I believe, the second week in April, uh, Sunday. I think we're going to do that on the 8th or something like that. We'll have that uh, to record yet, too. And then I can take the rest of April to get everything polished and everything kind of lined up. So, by May, I believe, uh, if I get the calendar here, cooperating. Uh, Wednesday, May 2nd is going to be the first episode of the radio drama. That'll be episode 71. So the episodes of the drama will be 71, 72, 73, and 74. Uh, The episodes will release on four Wednesdays in a row in May. So that'll be uh, Wednesday the 2nd, Wednesday the 9th, Wednesday the 16th, and Wednesday the 23rd. So that is the first time that the Drake is for you lovely listeners out there are going to have a Drake episode every single week in the month of May, with the exception of the 5th week. So if we play our cards right while you guys are listening to the Drake episodes in the month of May, we will hopefully record one or two episodes that will carry us into June probably. And maybe we can squeeze one into July. So if some of you are wondering like, Oh, I'm going to have a whole month of not you know, hearing anything from everyone loves the Drake. You will be able to hear a few of us on various podcasts. You can always hear Ryan on Batman on film. Terence and I's sister podcast, Batman and Robin Eternal. we recorded an episode for March, but it didn't get released uh, due to editing. So Ryan's or Ryan excuse me Terence is going to release the March episode in April so you'll have uh, that to listen to. Um, I don't want to spoil anything uh, that Ryan has coming up, but I will be guesting over on Batman on film, I believe at some point for a special thing that you'll have to keep track of Batman on film. Uh, that'll be coming up soon. So there's, there will be enough of us Drake members floating around to kind of uh, keep you busy, but the drama is the big thing that we've all been working for. So once I get finished editing episode 70, I can go full speed into doing the radio drama. So for you guys right now, before we kick it into the show, I say we'll listen to some trailers And some advertisements for some other podcasts that I enjoy. But for you guys, you can hear your first taste of the radio drama. Here's a trailer that I put together for the radio drama. And it goes a little something like this.
2: Coming soon from Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. A Batman Universe Podcast Network production. It's the radio drama you've demanded. Well... It's the one Rob produced and made into a four-part weekly radio drama. From the pages of Detective Comics comes A Lonely Place of Living. Where in the world is Tim Drake? Red Robin faces a crucial decision. Escape the most devious prison ever devised, or find himself abandoned beyond time and space for all eternity. Not really a choice, right? But when he finds out just who is locked in there with him, Tim's world will change in ways he never imagined. In the biggest undertaking Robin Everyone Loves the Drake has ever attempted, E.L.T.D. Theater is in full swing with over 20 voice actors from a variety of popular podcasts lending their talents to make the comics come alive. Featuring Justin Kowalski as Batman. And all the time he's been out there, lost and trapped, knowing that at the end of the day his mentor was one of the world's greatest detectives on the planet. He knew I was coming. I wasn't! And I can't stop until I bring him home. Andrew Leland as Alfred. Master Bruce, you need to sleep even just a few hours. I'm getting ready to pull out one of Dr. Crane's more narcotic gases from the laboratory if you continue like this. Andy Gijanova as Nightwing. Robin? You want me to go back to
3: being Robin? I can't. Just as I can't go back to being 13 again. But you're right. Batman needs me. Maybe instead of arguing with him, I should try and help him.
2: Olivia Mullins as Batwoman. Unconscious, the next roof over. We could turn him over to Argus. I know they'll want someone to answer for his crimes. Stella Bowman as Spoiler.
4: Hey, Dad. How's your night going? Still dead? Yeah, thought so.
2: The Irredeemable Shag as Brother I. Brother I is now online. Michael Bailey as Mr. Oz. Your mentor. He recently recently learned that you were alive, that you were trapped. trapped but search as he might he cannot find you he hasn't slept in five nights save for moments
1: that he nods off in the chair it consumes him Rob
2: Myers as Red
1: Robin I thought I thought I would impress him the way that I pieced it all together and god I wanted to impress him I'd only met him once just as a boy I was terrified of the circus but he calmed me down and he told me that he would be performing just for me and many, many more. The first episode
2: hits the first Wednesday in May, so prepare your ears for the story that changes
1: everything for Tim Drake. Hold on tight, Tim. As tight as you can to every moment, because this will all be over sooner than you can imagine.
4: Take the Earth's mightiest heroes, each an invincible champion of justice, and band them together to assemble the legendary Justice League of America, For 261 issues and 3 annuals, the DC Universe was defended from threats on Earth and beyond by this legendary team, operating from a cave in Happy Harbor to a satellite orbiting 22,300 miles above the Earth to uh, Detroit. Justice's First Dawn, a classic Justice League of America podcast, Will follow the League through all their evolutions. Please join your host, Mike Peacock, as I seek to cover all of the issues of the classic pre crisis Justice League of America series. Through the magic of the JLA Transporter, each issue will be randomized, with special episodes covering a complete story arc if needed. Along with the issue coverage, we shall also look at what the then current members of the Justice League were up to in solo appearances in other comics for the JLA cover month issue so do not hesitate to activate your jla signal device for justice's first dawn a classic justice league of america podcast on classic or by subscribing through itunes all right that is the
1: first taste of the drama now it's a pretty straightforward trailer if you listen to other podcasts i have sent this out to some other fellow podcasters that we're on the drama. And so if you listen to different shows, you will probably hear that trailer a few times kind of making its round. So I want to thank everybody that has been part of the drama. And uh, I, I can't wait to share it with you guys again. Wednesday, the 2nd, the 9th, the 16th, and 23rd will be uh, the consecutive four Wednesdays in a row that you'll get to hear the drama. And it's going to run like a, a normal show would when we were doing Nightfall. The drama will play first, and then we'll discuss the issue that that drama is attached to, and you know, so on and so forth, uh, until we get to the end of the uh, 23rd for the run. So, thanks for listening to this episode. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. And at this point, I guess I should say, welcome to the Frankenstein episode of the show.
4: Yes, yes, I know you're hungry. Ah, and here comes dinner. I'm a hungry man But I don't want pizza I'll blow down your house And then I'm gonna eat ya
1: Bring you to a simmer
4: Right on time But my grease fingers of your
1: Information for Robin 16, of course, is brought to us by Mike's Amazing World. The cover date is April 1995. The on-sale date is March seventh, nineteen 1995, with a cover price of $1.50. The editor is Dennis J. O'Neill. The title... All Fall Down. The writer is Chuck Dixon. The penciler is Stuart Johnson. The inker is Robert R. Smith. The inker is John Siscancia. Boy, I probably butchered that name wrong. The inker is Frank McCullen. And the letter is Timothy Harkins. The colorist is Adrian Roy. And this is the final cover for Tom Grummet with the inker Ray Cursing. And now the synopsis for Robin 16, All Fall Down. Robin can't waste a second to act. He jumps from the rafters, throwing smoke bombs to the ground to give himself some cover, and lands right in front of Stephanie. Robin swings his bow staff around, catching a few thugs off guard. Stephanie's glad to see Robin, and the pair make quick use of the bed she's chained to and use the bed as a ramming device to plow their way through the goons and through the warehouse. Once they've gotten somewhere safe, for now... Robin gets Stephanie out of the handcuffs And before he could say anything She jumps on top of him and begins to kiss him Before he can say anything There's Carson and his goons again Right in front of them Robin throws the bed at them and Stephanie races to the back of the warehouse, with Robin right behind. The two race to the top of the crates, stack to the roof, and are out the window and inside the Redbird in no time. The pair make a quick stop at Stephanie's place to grab a few things because Robin knows the gang will be headed to her house. When she comes out the window, she's in her spoiler outfit. Of course. Not what Robin had in mind. And neither did Batman once he met up with them later. She explained that it was her father's idea to plan the crimes from prison, and to have Carson use her as insurance, but when Carson finked out on Arthur's take, he used Batman and Robin as enforcers on Carson. Batman sent Robin to work with Spoiler on their angle, on Carson's gang, and Batman would work on his. Back in the Redbird, Spoiler's trying to learn more about Robin. Robin mentions his girl trouble. He beats himself up that he's even told Stephanie that much, as she still doesn't know who he really is. Batman goes back to Blackgate and talks to Arthur and all he'll say is Carson is at the last heist and it's the sweetest one yet. Batman radios Robin with what little information he has from Arthur and Spoiler says she heard her father talk about rock candy. That leads Robin to find out that there is a candy diamond in, in the Gotham Museum. Robin and Spoiler beat Batman to the museum, and they see Carson in the gallery with a diamond. Robin says they'd wait, but Spoiler didn't say she'd wait on Batman, and jumps from the top and lands on Carson, knocking him to the ground. And the diamond rolls out of Carson's reach. Carson raises his gun at Spoiler. And at the last second, Robin swings to the ground in front of Spoiler and is shot in the chest. Carson races towards the exit. Spoiler picks up the diamond and, just like a softball, throws it at Carson, hitting him right in the back of the head, knocking him out cold. She turns to Robin, who is just now getting to his feet. Luckily, the Robin costume is bulletproof, but man, this still hurts like crazy. Later that night at Blackgate Prison, Arthur Brown is taken into a visiting room. He has a guest that wants to see him. It's Stephanie. The guards tell them that they have ten minutes and shuts the door. Stephanie then proceeds to kick, slap, and punch her father like crazy for putting her in this crazy mess. He calls out to the guards, but the guards tell him, "'You have ten minutes.' And he's going to make sure he gets every last second. All right. Now that all the pleasantries are out of the way, Robin 16 is in front of us. And I think, at least I misspoke the last time I said, oh, this is the last Tom Grummet cover. He They do manage to sprinkle a few more in. I think he's got one somewhere in the 20s. I think he may have two more left, but they're kind of uh, sporadic. Uh, but like Terrence said the last time, it is a little misleading. That's like, oh, Tom Grummett's listed on the front cover of this, and he's not actually <laughs> in it at all. All the artwork goes to uh, Phil Jimenez. So uh, just because it's Tom Grummett's last cover, if you guys kind of want to talk about uh, 16 and all the guns pointed out, uh, uh, Robin and spoiler, although that's a little misleading. Like all covers usually are like, oh, when does this <laughs> happen in the uh, issue? Not at all, but it's it's a really cool cover. What do you guys think, uh Terrence.
0: Yeah, I agreed. Having the guns like so huge looks pretty awesome. And the colors look fantastic because Spoiler's colors go really well with uh, Robin's colors. It's just like a really great contrast. And the, the look on Tim's face, like gritting his teeth and ready for action, it just... You know, we always talk about Chuck Dixon pulling you in on the first panel. This pulls you in right in the cover, and it kind of flows right into... The first page of this big splash page. So, yeah, fantastic cover. And as you would say, Rob, worthy of a poster.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, Ryan, would this be a poster it, on your wall? <laughs> it is
3: worthy of a poster, I'd say. Because, you know, it's not just the Tim Drake angle, but it's it's Tim Dra- it's Tim Robin and Spoiler. And it's a good yeah. Robin and Spoiler cover. You know, it's this, like, very dynamic, like, oh, Spoiler's injured, probably, and, you know, Robin's got to get her out of there or something. And, you know, but, you know... It, it, it 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 plays up the whole like will they won't they relationship angle that you know they go with the characters for a while and it's 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 a good cover if you're fans of both characters for sure. And to your point, Rob, I think this issue kind of sho- kind of shows like a uh, some changes in like just editorial. Like it was, this issue obviously came together pretty fast compared to some of the other ones or or had some editorial shifts because like it does say. You know, Grummett is listed on the cover as the artist, right? Yeah. But when you go into the issue, you know Jimenez does the layout, but there's also a different penciler and different inkers for. There's three different inkers as well. <laughs> yeah. So to me, that screams like, oh, Grummett was gonna do it, but then he and I guess what he was on Superboy at this point, like yeah. full time. So maybe that was like a last minute change or something, and they had to pull the trigger and get a bunch of fill in people to help like get this issue done by the deadline. That's what it kind of feels like to me when whenever the cover says one thing and the interior has is split up by a bunch of different people.
1: Now, one thing I noticed, I think it was steel jacket. I'm trying to remember what issue that was. It wasn't that long ago um, where that was split at the very end of prodigal where it had Jimenez yeah. and then grommet. That was real jarring going from issue to issue. This one with the uh, different pencilers and inkers that are on it, even though Jimenez did the layout, it's not, it seems it stays pretty consistent most of the way through. It yeah. looks like the first half of the book is done mostly by Jimenez, and then uh, it looks like he laid out the uh, the tail end of it. And the penciler is Stuart Johnson, uh, who's listed here, which um, didn't do my homework for this one, so if anybody knows his other work, uh, maybe I'll uh, put an editorial in somewhere. But I'm not too familiar with any pencils he's done prior uh, to this one at all. Do you guys have any uh, thing to say on him at all?
0: Well, it's funny because this is kind of a Frankenstein podcast of different parts all put together. <laughs> right. For, for your music, you got to have some Edgar Winter Frankenstein in there or Alice Cooper Welcome to My Nightmare or something. There you go. <laughs> and and the artwork in this issue is a Frankenstein issue of just different inkers and pencilers. and there's certain pages and certain uh, t- um, panels that really screamed Tom Grummet to me. I don't know if that is because the inkers and the penciler was using Tom Grummet's work as a reference and really copied from it, or if maybe Tom Grummet had done some preliminary art that they used for this. And then there's others, like Phil Jimenez has a really distinct look on his faces. And then there's some panels where it's really like, oh yeah, that's Phil Jimenez on page 19 when Robin is like laying there, quote unquote, dead or, or shot. I know <laughs> jumping ahead. Yeah. Like you can really see that that is a Phil Jimenez face. Like it, it just, it just screams Phil Jimenez. So they were able to keep it consistent enough that it never took me out of the story. But if you go back now and flip through and just look at a page here and a page there, you can really tell that different hands were at work at this issue. I
3: think it plays to the strength of the writing here yeah. because you did have the, cause the previous issue 15 was, was Grumet, right? Yes. Yeah. So you had, it's like a two part story for the most part and you have the grummet lead in and it's Dixon across both issues. So I think that kind of smooths this over and for us, just reading it, you know, in succession, I think that that's kind of helped it yeah, stay cohesive.
1: Well, that too, and it moves a kind of a fast clip, at least uh, as trying to get, you know, Stephanie out of this, um, being chained to the bed. So there's that sense of urgency that's paced that Chuck Dixon does really well. So given just the er- erratic nature of them trying to get out kind of lends itself to artist changes – slightly even from page to page but in panel to panel uh, we're just going to get get into this right now so if you've got robin 16 uh pulled out starting with the uh, splash page on the front where it says all fall down with the robin backhand of the guy coming in and terrence made a comment of a last episode if this was jason todd he would have jumped right down at the very beginning of this but tim you know took his time and waited and uh a little a really cool scene here of Tim coming down uh, from the top is Robin and Stephanie kind of huddled, uh, kind of letting Robin get the first uh, nail on the guy here and throwing his uh, grenades out. Um, like I was saying about the panel moving, you can kind of see where the art is kind of, I believe this is all Phil Jimenez right through here, but even in uh on page 3 the third panel with Robin coming in kind of karate kicking the guy right in the face that kind of looks like Tom grommet to what you were saying uh they are or excuse me a terence um, them using the bed here as a um a shield which <laughs> you kind of a, a magic bulletproof mattress. Yeah, a magic bulletproof, yeah. <laughs> you know. If you pick, watch it pick up the Kevlar <laughs> it's foam it it absorbs <laughs> it all. It's a Kevlar yeah. foam
3: mattress. Come on. <laughs>
1: don't pull holes in the comic book, Rob, <laughs> but I, I think that's pretty it lowers cool. lowers the grade. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was a nine. Now it's a four. Uh, the, the shot I really like is on four where they flipped the bed over and, uh, the very first panel like all these panels are kind of tilted to the side the insert panels which i yeah. think is really kind of cool and the guy's looks guy like has blood coming out of his mouth from where the bed kind of came down on him and the the motion of them flipping up i think is really fluid so just in these first few pages here um you know the use of the smoke grenades and uh i love it when they draw robin with the bow staff and uh Yeah, him kind of swinging it around, kicking the guys, and like sliding on the ground—just some really cool motion and uh, uh, a fluidity through that. So that's kind of what you guys get impressions on the the opening scene through uh, four there.
3: I Uh, just right. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, when I when I read this, I just thought that the you know, like we were saying, that the writing helps the flow in this early part. I mean, it's very fast paced, and once you get into the panels that do different things that are outside of your standard, you know, square panels. It helps, like you said, the fluidity, but it reminds me a lot of like a, like a martial arts movie, like where they're using props in the, Mm -hmm. in the environment, in the scene to kind of block themselves off or put them in a strategic position or, you know, it's kind of a gag, right? Like, Stephanie is like chained to this bed and so they've got to pick up the bed, but they've got, to, they're going to use it to use it to their advantage to get out of this situation. It's something that I, this whole scene is something that I could see happen in a, in a very well like choreographed, like, you know, martial arts movie or something. And it's kind of fun.
1: Like Robin is Jackie Chan is what you're saying. It, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Terrence. I, I liked your use of the word fluidity, Rob. That that Word a Day dictionary, uh, Word a Day calendar. I, I got you for Christmas. Is working.
1: Uh, and my <laughs> wife, every time I use a big word like that, she's like, "Who who told you how to say that word?" Yeah, <laughs> I'm like why did I use it wrong? And usually uh, I do. <laughs>
0: I really liked on the opening panel uh, on page one how the title is called All Fall Down and the words are kind of falling down with Robin. It's almost as if Robin kicked the title as he was trying to kick the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a really cool touch. Um, as you said, you said it moved fast. I, it moves at a lightning pace. I mean, it goes really, really quick, but in a good way. Like on that one page you were talking about, page four, with the panels, uh, there's only all the only dialogue on the whole page. Robin says, Follow my lead up and over, and that's it. And it goes quick. And in a, in a lot of the book, you won't see a page with more than five panels, a lot of them are three or four. So it is a really quick, fast lead. But it, uh, read, not lead. Hello, I can't speak. Uh, <laughs> the fluidity of my speech is gone. It's, it's, oh, it's, no. it's slow as concrete. But, but <laughs> okay, yeah, this is the
1: this is the elt drinking game anytime we say <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. fluidity <laughs> have
1: a drink there you go yeah so i'll flow uh, it back to you rob <laughs> right that was very fluid um I, I like how they take the moment that they're going to run through the warehouse uh to get her unchained and as soon as he does bam stephanie is uh kissing him and has uh uh, Jimenez drew this wonderful expression on the look of Rob's face, where he, or Robin's face, where he's like, huh? you know, I thought that was pretty cool. And she's on top of him. Y- you'd almost get the sense of like he's like, we can't do this right now. And that's when they, you know, chuck the bed and uh, they have this like Indiana Jones chase going up through all the boxes and out the window. And there sits our favorite car, Redbird. I always wanted to have a Redbird when I got my driver's license, but I drove a station wagon, so not close. <laughs> <laughs> was it? It wasn't a red station wagon, was it? No, it was green. With wood mm-hmm. paneling looked like the Griswolds, so <laughs> but uh, again, it, this does move pretty quick with them getting in the car. And uh, Stephanie's still tr- still trying to hit on Tim a little bit, and he's like, Steph, so I thought that was uh, pretty neat. And then it's the uh, Gully Carlson, which I think is just a hilarious name, getting in their car. And then we're back at uh, Stephanie's house at nine, and then Tim's just being the good boy Scouts, you know waiting outside the window so she can change, and that 's not exactly what they uh, Tim thought they had in mind till they meet Batman on eleven and uh, batman 's not happy either, so just kind of going through those a uh, few pages there, kind of what you guys thought I think the the art is still really clean, I think Jimenez is still on this, even though um, we say his name was again? I'm going to miss it. Uh, Johnson is probably mainly doing the pencils through this, but at least it's still staying consistent up to this point. So what do you guys think about all those uh, uh, pages kind of going up to 11? Let's start with Ryan.
3: I just There's a lot of really just clever and fun dialogue between Robin and uh, Stephanie here. You know, like Stephanie is just like, although she's been held captive for two weeks, she's <laughs> like in such a good mood and... <laughs> you know and she's just kind of playing it up uh to get rescued almost like you know I was expecting you to rescue me robin so but when they're heading to the redbird I love the the part where, I mean, it's almost like Batman 89 where he, she's like, who's driving the car? And then Tim's like, I am. And then boom, there's the red bird. That's cool. Stop. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And cause he's controlling it with a remote just like right in 89. Yep. And, and that's what he says. Uh, Tim says, I can control the red bird with a remote. And I love Stephanie's line, which is you named your car. That's so boy. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, a, that's like funny. It's like, spo- it's very spoiler. And it, and it is kind of like a nineties kind of thing to say. So I think that was kind of a, uh, Kind of a fun moment, and and it just keeps going. You know, by the time he's just, I love that Tim just waits outside on the rooftop and lets Stephanie change into something. And of course, she's going to change into the spoiler, and it's just hilarious. <laughs> and you know that uh, it's going to happen before it happens because it, you have alternating shots of of Stephanie like getting dressed like into the spoiler outfit, <laughs> so you know that it's going to happen. Uh, and I just love Tim's reaction where she comes out. And she's like, is this appropriate? And Tim's like, Oh no. And then Batman's reaction right off the bat. He's like, this is not appropriate. Yeah. And it goes right back. That whole sequence goes right back to, you know, the detective comics run that has spoiler in it. Um, Was that the first
1: run? Yeah. Yeah. Her first one. Introduction.
3: Yeah. Yeah, And the way that Batman interacted with spoiler and Tim there, it reminds me of that whole thing. So, um, you know, Batman's apprehensive at first, but he kind of understands it, and he's like, eh, okay, <laughs> and he kind of lets <laughs> lets her go with Robin. She puts them in a hard spot because it's it's, and I've noticed a lot of you know seeds or things that come up later in Stephanie's career as a as a character as and as her future Robin, where it's like Batman thinks Stephanie doesn't know enough. Stephanie thinks Batman's too hardened, and but Stephanie also has like some leverage over batman 2 where it's like i know how to do this or you're doing this wrong and you know i know best kind of thing and and that comes up in a big way you know a few years down the line you know when she's robin and then even after that you know in the war game stuff so i think that's a pretty cool little sequence
0: Yeah, I I was like, she's been hostage for two weeks. I hope she has a toothbrush, because when they kiss, that might not have been the most uh, (laughs) fresh mouth there. But (laughs) uh, the thing that struck me most about it, which is something that I would not have picked up on when I read this uh, originally, unless I had a time machine, is how different the the go-between or the relationship between Steph and Tim is in this issue than it is now in detective comics. Like um, James Tinney in the fourth is, I love his detective run and it's great, but, gosh have they gotten so heavy and emo and every issue is so dramatic and Tim's trying to save the world and is he going to go to Ivy College and it's just so heavy and emotional and this is just so much fun and lighthearted. and they tease each other all the time and Stephanie makes these funny jokes about like you know this is what a girl's got to do to meet a a guy like you and like as Ryan said the whole thing with the car and the changing and then Batman afterwards it's just fun it's just like they like teasing each other they like messing with each other other a little bit robin loves calling her stephanie knowing that it drives her nuts that he knows her secret identity but she doesn't know his and uh it's just it's just a lot of fun and that is something i think we did not get to see in the detective run even though it was so great to see tim and stephanie back together and and back again they've become kind of you know the the like the cw everything's emotional every scene as opposed to just being fun Oh, I totally agree. Um, and that's, that's the big
1: thing, even though the stakes are high and all the, and all of that. Um, I'm just gonna repeat exactly what you said. It's fun. Even their exchange going through, uh, what is it, 12 and 13 before, uh, Batman pays a visit to, uh, Clue Master and Blackgate again. It's just them going back and forth, like you said, about stuff is like, ooh, girlfriend, huh? Like trying to poke. She's trying to get, Tim has the upper hand on her, like you said. He can call her Stephanie, and she has no idea what Robin's real name is. So any information that he can get out, or she can get out of him, he she's trying, and it's even brought up here. He's like he can't even believe he has told her that he has a girlfriend. You know, Batman would be would be upset at Tim or at him, Tim for divulging so much information so he kind of catches himself short there um
0: yeah and i wanted to mention that i would i did not see it coming i thought it was a good twist that clue master um had caused her abduction and that she was being held for insurance because in the last issue I kind of thought oh maybe Cluemaster's not such a bad guy maybe he cares about his da- daughter maybe he cares <laughs> about this and then that little twist of <laughs> of it was really good and then that scene you were just talking about when Robin tells spoiler about Ari which is on page 12 that s- s- second to last panel on the bottom where Robin's like rubbing his neck and he's got his hand out that is like classic Tom Grummet right there that was yeah. one of the panels that really huh. screamed grum- Grummet to me.
1: Uh, the next panel too looks like uh, very Tom Grummet ish on twelve. The very last panel on twelve, where Grummet draws Robin's mask a little bit fatter. Uh, oh, yeah. than everybody and else. You kind of see. Yeah, that that looks like maybe it's a little homage to that and uh where uh, stephanie on 13 has no problem anytime that she spoiler she's constantly taking her mask off and on and robin's having to say you know put your mask on (laughs) you know all all those type of things um so yeah i i love how like when i was reading this i was just screaming at tim i was
3: like tim you you idiot he's so (laughs) bad at this yeah yeah. right (laughs) like he i guess he's you know okay with the whole secret down in anything unless somebody like spoiler is involved and then obviously once spoiler is involved robin just turns into you know an idiot because he's just like oh yeah girlfriend i have girlfriend problems and you know uh you know it's not that i'm just going to talk about my girlfriend ari and oh uh, you know and and it's like if stephanie was any kind of detective all she has to do is find like Ari, okay. What's that short for? (laughs) Ariana, okay. Which school has this? Okay. Who's her boyfriend? Okay. And now I know who Robin is. Like, it would be
1: so easy for spoilers to figure out who Robin is at this point. (laughs) Where's the one place Robin has consistently fought somebody at a storefront? And they have a daughter there.
0: <laughs> yeah. The same was, thing has happened. Yeah. What's her name? Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. Right
0: At the same high school with the Speed Boys in issue, what, was that two or three? Two or three, but yeah, yeah. If, if you read this, it's obvious that Chuck Dixon was a huge Archie Comics fan. Because my brother used to collect Archie Comics, and I would read them. And it was the same thing with Archie between Betty and Veronica. One was a brunette, one was a blonde. And I would read them, and I was a little bit older. And I'd scream like, Archie, you're an idiot. Like, just pick one and go out. Like, And it, it was the same kind of stuff. <laughs> (laughs) An Archie comic. Oh, Archie. Yeah. (laughs) And we just need a, Robin needs a jug head, and that's all he, yeah.
1: Since we were talking about this being a Frankenstein issue, uh, something that we, I think all three of us, uh, came across when we got to this scene on 14 through uh, basically the end of the book where Batman's talking to Arthur, uh, finding out what's going on, relaying whatever little bit of information he was able to get out of Arthur, where spoiler, and this is where I kind of like a little bit of the detective work, but it kind of falls into a hole and leaves a scratch in our head of like, aha, Robin figured it out. We have no idea what that thing <laughs> was, <laughs> <laughs> that the it, this is going to be the sweetest thing yet. So Robin's in the Red bird, figuring all this out, and I like in the bottom of fifteen, Harold's eating a candy bar and all of that cameo. And all the <laughs> and all this information comes up on the uh bat computer that you know Tim's accessing, and Harold drops the candy bar. it's just a, a fun little cameo uh that they put in there, but you know Harold dropped his candy bar, so Robin ends up figuring this thing out that this little clue that the clue master gave, and I spent at least probably ten minutes looking at all of this stuff going, did I miss... A part of this story Why can't I not figure this out And trying to do the synopsis for this I thought, I'm going to sound like a, an idiot How, how am I going to say how Robin Got to this museum And <laughs> yeah, what we be fi- like, <laughs> you know, the Robin's looking at
3: stuff, and the Harold, he's got the candy bar And then, and then, and then they save the day and,
1: you know. <laughs> Right, that's about how it is We find out in the letter column what goes on So stick around for that, that's kind of a little funny So I just wanted to ask you guys As we get into the uh, museum Here uh, for the tale, to this Uh, were you guys scratching your head too going did i miss something Uh, terrence
0: a little bit i didn't spend 10 minutes on it but i'm not going to criticize because if you've listened (laughs) to this podcast you know i spent way too much time analyzing batman's new costume and the boots and the gloves and all that so i'm no i'm I'm no one to judge but i did it was a little jarring but i actually thought it was kind of cool i thought i didn't think it was a mistake i thought it was like oh it's it's secondary okay they could have added Two or three panels and Robin said this clue and that clue and blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't matter. What matters in the story is the Tim, Stephanie, back and forth, their relationship, spinning that forward, where we're going with Ariana. The fact that it was led them to a museum or somewhere else or whatever, that doesn't matter. What matters is Tim and Steph and Batman and Clue Master. So it didn't really bother me. Ryan? Yeah,
3: it's just a testament to the the fluidity of the issue that uh, that you min- <laughs> that, that, yeah that yeah it's a testament to the fluidity of the issue that that I that I didn't really care that it that the particulars of the you know the detective work were not revealed and it just picks up at at the museum it didn't really bother me.
0: Was it Pee Wee Herman's show where they'd have like the secret word and when someone secret said it, that, that everything would go crazy and everything. I think so. Yeah, that, ours is fluidity today.
1: Yeah. Uh, man, I'm already editing a drama. I don't want to add more sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, a little callback here where Robin, it, just in this own issue, where Robin was waiting for the moment to jump down and try and save Stephanie. Stephanie's having the opposite reaction here. She is so ticked off that her dad was using her as bait or as a hostage that she's just jumping right down. And she ends up getting Robin shot in here uh, because she's so careless and <laughs> reckless that, you, you know, the heroes g- looks like he gets straight up murdered. murdered is what It looks yes, like it was the panel, <laughs> which you go like, if this happened in detective comics, I mean, we love you, James tiny But in this, we'd have been like, Oh, Robin's dead, but at least his name is in this book. So, we know they're not killing the title character so you're like okay he's got kevlar but robin has to jump down in front of it to save spoiler and risk getting shot but uh, stephanie must play a lot of softball because she throws the thing right in the back of his head knocks him out and uh we get to the uh final scene with stephanie we'll save that for just a minute so uh just your thoughts on the uh stephanie's reaction and then rob being the good boy scout uh terrence
0: Well, I thought the scene felt a lot like the opening sequence to The Dark Knight with the Joker taken out the different henchmen one by one, and Bully's mm. doing the same kind of thing here, taking him out for a bigger score, and I thought that was really cool. And then the, the it's just kind of fun here, but I, I think it's good to put Robin out of commission so that Stephanie can get the big takedown and she could be the hero, and we see she's not just some girl hanging out with Robin. She's actually yeah. someone who can really kick butt and, and take down the bad guy, too, and, and I thought that was really cool. Right.
3: Yeah, just just to jump off of that, Terrence, I think that is important, especially because these two issues revol- have revolved around Stephanie being, you know, kidnapped and captured and held captive for a couple of weeks. It's it's cool that Stephanie at the end does kind of get get the upper hand and gets to be the star of the show for just a little bit.
0: Yeah, because you want Stephanie to be someone who you want to see Tim be with like you don't want her to just be that annoying yeah. girl who's hanging around and she's all she does is pine after Robin and yeah. all that like you want yeah. like like you want to walk in you want to like reach through the book slap Tim in the face and say dude <laughs> ask her to the well, movies funny, but,
3: I mean yeah. it's it's captivating because she's she's very similar to Tim but with none of the training but a lot of the same kind of drive you know and you know that's one of the reasons why there's su- such a good and interesting you know pair together and so it's it's always fun to see an issue like this that kind of explores that relationship and explores, you know, Stephanie might not get things right all the time, but, but she could still pack a bunch.
0: <laughs> and there, there's two things kind of going on that make, the, make this great where Chuck Dixon can really play this out is one, I think it's because they're younger. Because they're teens, he can't just have them like jump in bed together right away or or do something crazy like that. And number two, because Chuck Dixon probably had a lot of confidence that he was going to be on this title for a while and work with Denny O'Neill for a while, he had the time to let the stories play out, let things kind of roll instead of trying to cram an entire Tim Drake spoiler relationship in a three-issue arc. He can play these little games with us, and it's so much fun.
1: Yeah, and there's I, the phrase I I got fluidity right, so I'm probably going sc- <laughs> to probably going to screw this up. But there's like a devil may care attitude with Stephanie that she has no problem telling off Batman. She doesn't care that Batman may be scary, and that she's going to leap off the building and take care of stuff. There's something yourself, and Batman's got to be the one that says, "Hey, go watch after her." You know, we don't know what she's entirely capable of, but Batman's not overly concerned because I think he's confident enough. In that, okay, Stephanie's going to wind up doing good, but she could screw this up. And I like that she, you're right, Terrence, that she's not written as the damsel in distress, that she can hold her own. And that's just a cool thing about this series is that Chuck Dixon doesn't paint everybody, okay, you're this A type of girl that's going to be in the story. You're going to be the A typical boy. That it, the lead of the book can become a secondary character in the fact that. Chuck Dixon is going to use the right person to tell the story that needs to be told, and lets Stephanie have have that moment in the end, since she was locked up, and to kind of
0: show us the reader, hey, she's is an important character in this universe. And so, and the reason why we love comics is because they're a fantasy. Because we. Want to be Superman and have that power and fly in, in the sky. We want a green lantern ring and create anything. We want to be Robin and hang out with Batman all night. And we would love for this, you know, beautiful girl uh, like Stephanie who can kick butt and be the spoiler to be crazy about us. And when we see that with Tim, we're like, yes, it, it feeds into that whole reason why we love comics to begin with. And then a whole reason that we love comics are the last,
1: is actually the last page, but the uh, page leading up to it, 21. Where Arthur gets a guest, you know, and he did he wasn't expecting anybody to come—and gets sat in a room with his daughter, and he has this smug little look on his face, and he says, "I know you're probably a little angry with me." And she just socks him across the face, and is continuing to kick him. And the the joke of it is that the guard tells Arthur, "You've got ten minutes, you know, with, with your guest or whatever." And then Arthur is just pleading, like, "Let me out of here! Let me out of here!" And the guard's like, "No." I said 10 minutes Brown and you're entitled for every second of your visit. So for 10 minutes, Stephanie is just wailing on her father, which I thought was a, a funny way to kind of, uh, wrap up the story. But, uh, I think you'd be really pissed if your dad uh, sent you on a, uh, uh, almost a, a death sentence uh, that if you know the heist doesn't go right so i thought that was a, a clever way to end the story and uh, a, a really neat way to wrap up a, a two little issue story to kind of give us a breather before the next you know event would ar- arise in the robin and batman universe so uh, final thoughts on the last page guys and then 16 as a whole I so thought 15 and 16 as a, a little two-story uh, mini episode uh let's start with that uh, terrence
0: yeah, she fluidity fists her film right in the face there. But uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said, Rob. Great great way to end it. Great that it's a Stephanie who gets the last two pages. And just, just a fun, fun read. I could read this book again and again and again and just have fun with it. Oh, Ryan.
3: Yeah, this certainly is an episode with a lot of fun and a lot of fluidity. And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I love the I love the ending, you know, because at first I read it and I'm like, oh, Batman's going to show up and do the Batman thing, but then, then, <laughs> but then, once they're like, oh, is your it's your daughter, and this is a surprise, and then she just gets kind of the last the last point of the story. It's 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 fun, it, <laughs> you know. I just keep going back to that word. It's and balanced. I mean, I, that's the thing about a lot of these Chuck Dixon issues and this Robin series in particular is that they strike a really good balance of you know character moments and plot and heart and you know stakes as well you know um but something i really liked about both of these issues and 16 as well is just the the cast of characters like you've got you know robin and spoiler and batman like batman i think was used in this story like the perfect amount like it's still obviously tim's book but spoiler gets the you know the the point the end point of the story and batman's used in it as kind of like everything that happens in here is like a subset of a like a larger mission that they were on that that tim ends up having to be the the point person on and just to see batman kind of do some of the detective work on his own while it shows us what tim and stephanie are up to i just think that's very cool and very balanced it feels a lot like a Almost like an episode of the animated series, but mm-hmm. it just happened to be like this week. It's The focus is a little bit more on Robin's side of the world. So I think it's really just a really fun and fluid issue.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and that that's a great parallel to the animated series. And I saw Tom, uh, who is it? Scott Snyder, not Tom Snyder, Scott Snyder <laughs> uh, give an interview, I think, saying he was writing a, a book a lot like Paul Dinney wrote the animated series. And they said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, in the animated series, Paul Denny's stories oftentimes Batman wasn't the main character. Like someone else was the main character and you saw the story through their eyes. And it was usually somebody you wouldn't expect or somebody a lower level or or, or someone who may be one, one and done in that story. And that's how this feels a lot, too. Like you're kind of seeing it a lot through spoilers eyes. So, yeah, that was a great, great connection
1: yeah it's kind of like that booster gold episode where all he gets to do is do like crowd control and yeah you, you see Thank all the you, other Green he-
0: lantern <laughs> yeah
1: right <laughs> and then he, he has that little moment in the end of it, so that's nice that uh you know Dixon does that a lot he's very fluid with his uh sharing of who does what so uh that is the end of the discussion portion i'm going to stop right here do you guys want to do the showcase or are we just going to leave yeah let's do the
0: showcase it should only take like five minutes you want me to introduce it since i pulled it out yeah yeah go ahead i'm going to let you uh
1: take the lead on this so i'm gonna start again here real quick All right, so we're going to piggyback with another little Stephanie Brown in the showcases. These were kind of hit and miss for me picking up. Usually I would look at the front cover, flip through it, and go, oh, Robin's in this one. I'll pick it up. Uh, This was one I had kind of skipped over, and Terrence brought this up. So I'm going to let you run with this little showcase. It's only a few pages here, but uh, why don't you uh, start this little little section here?
0: Yeah, Showcase 95, uh, that series... I believe the focus was on Superman and the Superman universe. So they would have three stories in each issue. And like I said, the main issue, the first story, the main story was somebody from the Superman universe. And then the other two could be anybody or anything from the DC universe. It was usually characters who did not have their own book, usually characters who were not uh, a part of any ongoing series. And it was a really cool way to spotlight new artists and new storytellers or sometimes old artists who just did a fill-in. And so Showcase Number 5 came out uh, about two weeks after Robin 16 came out. And the third story was a spoiler story. And what's cool is it was the very first time Spoiler appeared in a comic outside of Detective or Robin. It was the very first Spoiler solo Story. Now, we don't see spoiler again after the showcase until uh, Detective Comics... Tw- I'm not sorry, Detective... Sorry, Robin Com- uh, Comics number 25. So when I first got this, I kind of thought they were teasing spoiler for maybe her own miniseries or maybe her, her, a spinoff. Um, it is not written by Chuck Dixon. It's written by someone, Carrie Kowalski. But it's a fun little story. It's called Uneven Parallels. It involves uh, Stephanie uh, and her PE teacher. And it g- gives a little background about her being a gymnast, which is kind of cool. We just get to see where maybe she got some of her, her skills, some of her athletic training. And it involves her mom a lot. Her mom is kind of pretty smart and she kind of tells her that she thinks her gym teacher is some kind of drug dealer. Stephanie doesn't believe her at first gets kind of in a fight with her mom investigates a little bit further finds out that it is true they have a few panels of chasing and fighting and that kind of stuff and and it's all wrapped up in nine quick pages when she takes the gym teacher down and kind of has her heartbroken that this you know peer or mentor let her down but then her mom's there for her in the end and I, I got the feeling reading this that the Stephanie Brown Batgirl run what was that Brian Q. Miller wrote mm-hmm. that I feel like this might have been like his inspiration for a lot of that series. If you like that Batgirl series, and especially Stephanie and her mom's um, relationship, I feel like this is the seed that grew out of that you know, Batgirl tree. Uh, but did you guys get a chance to read it or anything?
1: Uh, I read, just after you send over the uh, few pages, like I said, I, I didn't even know this existed, uh, my shop. Sometimes usually if it was Batman heavy or really Superman heavy, they, the showcases would be on the wall. And I think they may maybe only had one or two. But this was a, a fun little uh little read. It kind of makes me want to go to comixology and see if I can't pick up or go to a comic shop and pick up some more of these uh showcases. I thought that was fun and I did get a a, a Stephanie Brown Batgirl Brian Q. Miller vibe out of it. Just with uh, like you said, the the dialogue between her and her mom and kind of her world outside of the Batman uh world is was really kind of cool. So that was that was my takeaway from it.
3: Yeah. I think like I I didn't think about the parallels, but you're absolutely right. It does evoke that, you know, Brian Q Miller Batgirl series and that series is extremely underrated. Oh, yeah. mean, I mean it's just a fantastic setup that's you know, it's it's Batgirls almost. It's it's Stephanie is Batgirl, but she's got Oracle too, and it was such a good set up damn it so um but this story is interesting it's it's interesting to see a spoiler and then you know it's almost like if this month's issue of robin was the spoiler instead you know she she's spoiler but then she's her school stuff gets kind of in the way her personal life and you kind of get to see a little bit more of that and i thought that was pretty interesting but the but reading it, I almost wondered like, is this was there like an anti-drug PSA kind of thing? Because some of it reads like, you know, pay attention to this kind of stuff, kids and stuff like that. Or is was it just part of the story? And I, I'm kind of curious about that. But
0: yeah, it, I could I could see that. It feels like an after-school special a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, that's yeah.
3: kind of yeah, yeah, exactly. Like no,
1: it, that could never happen. But then yeah, of course it does. Yeah, this was this was a fun little thing. I'm glad you uh uh found this uh little Stephanie Brown thing. It tied it right into this episode and uh or the Robin 16 rather and gave us a little bit more like you said it wouldn't be till issue 20 what 22 21 something like
0: that before we see her again. And and that bat, yeah, 25 I think it is. Oh, 25 and yeah, that's right. Where where she's on the cover with uh Green Arrow Connor Hawk. Um the Batgirl series Ryan said it's underrated, and I agree, but it does have a real cult following. There are a lot of people who really yeah. do love that series. And the, the issues where she was with Supergirl, I think there was... I get confused because I know she was in Supergirl, and then Supergirl was in hers or something. And and then um, the, the, the interaction she had with Damian Wayne as Robin yeah. are so much fun in that, that series.
1: And I think that the first volume just recently got released, which kind of surprised me. I think... I think in February. Don't quote me on it. I'd have to uh, pull it back up here, but I believe at least volume one uh, is out. I think they may be going for a, a two volume set because I think it only went what twenty six issues, basically like two years.
3: Yeah, feels yeah. like it came out last August. Last okay, August. last August.
1: Sorry, right. a little little longer than I thought. So that's cool that they're at least pulling uh, some of these books out. I know they've been going through the Robin books. Um, and putting those out in volumes, and they're doing Nightwing as well. So it's kind of cool to see some of these 90s things getting uh, brought back out. And there's kind of a resurgence for people that are saying, like, you know, oh, that Stephanie Brown Batgirl was really pretty cool. Rather than having to go, you know, try and search for him through the dollar bins, you can you know, hopefully be able to pick them up in a trade. So that's going to be the end of the discussion portion of this. Like we said, this is kind of the Frankenstein. Uh, episode here but I'm going to try r- to use a lot of fluidity that's in my fluid lighter <laughs> to piece <laughs> yeah. all these together now I'm just getting plain cheesy it's, so it's well, pronounced-
3: oh, here you go here you go volume two just came out um, last Tuesday March 20th oh nice so there you
0: go so and, that's uh, really cool it's, it's pronounced Frankenstein by the way but Franken <laughs> Frankenstein Frankenstein, Frankenstein.
1: <laughs> So the next thing you're going to hear is the three of us again, uh, but we're going to be looking at the letter section, and we're going to be looking at what was going on this month back in 1995, if I'm correct, in uh, DC Comics, and more importantly with the Bat title. So let's get over to us that happened last (laughs) week. Hey, I I like
0: these guys. Throw it to them. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
1: uh, These guys, they're good. They're good guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right, so let's take a look at the other bat books that came out the month of, uh, or cover date of April '95, like Robin '16, and uh, let's start off alphabetically with Azrael. Azrael number uh, three has a uh, cover date of April '95. I'm going to let Ryan talk about this one. What is Fallen Angel Part Three: The Proposition, written by Denny O'Neill, Barry Kitson, and inked by James Pasco, and um, John Paul confronts the new Asriel, and so I'll just let Ryan, Ryan, I know we'll probably get a podcast all about how great this issue is, but what w- any thoughts or feelings about issue number three?
3: No, because I have not read that issue, sir. That is the whole point of the Agent of the Bat podcast, and much like Everyone Loves the Drake, we are, I think the plan is to uh, record all of, cover all of the Nightfall appearances and stuff before we even get to the main Azrael series. Oh and so you we got kinda
0: you collected the entire run but haven't read it yet? Correct. Oh wow that's really cool. Yeah.
3: Um, Correct. Yeah I've got my big like Nightfall like beginning I've got Nightfall and I've got also have what I think is all of Jean Paul's appearances in other books or that the Azrael Batman in other, other books like the Chain Gang War stuff and um and, you know, the Justice League Task Force stuff that was part of the Night Quest, the Search, and things like that. There's the Outsiders book we've been talking about. So I've got a list of all that stuff, and I think we're going to try to do it chronologically and cover all that stuff first before we even get to the the main Asriel title. So it's going to be interesting. I've read, obviously, most of all the Nightfall stuff, but but uh, the Asriel solo series is not something I've read much of. I've read, like, the issue... One and then I actually was able to purchase and uh read the last actual arc as it um as it released, so I did read those um as a comic buying person because it tied it tied into like Bruce Wayne murder or something like that right and um and what hooked me was on some of those covers in the late ninety to a hundred issues or whatever of that series you saw the Asbats costume again so i instantly was like oh man that's great and so i picked up the very end of the arc and i owned the very beginning of the arc and then over the years i've collected all the issues and so that's that's part of the whole goal of the uh agent of the bat podcast is to actually read the whole series and delve into it so
1: that's that's kind of cool least on from what we're doing, I've read most of the Robin stuff, but there's there's a good chunk of this that I've never read. So that's going cool to be kind of cool to hear you experience Azrael uh, for the yeah. first time. And then I think for this show, too, there's going to be some books where I'm like, I bought it, but I, I just never read it for whatever reason.
3: Yeah, that's exactly it. And the Azrael series itself is just kind of this standalone for the a lot of parts. it's it, kind of like the Robin series. There's a lot of parts where it is pretty standalone. And not a lot of people have covered it, really. And, you know, because Nightfall itself is so popular, but once Ezreal gets into his own series, it kind of stayed the course for a hundred issues and just did its thing. So, um, you know, I kind of want to do it as a, you know, a character analysis podcast almost, just to kind of follow Jean-Paul and his journey through the whole... Set of books.
0: So. Well, this this will lead to an interesting uh, conundrum coming up because part of the reason why we're we're doing these solicitations is because we got two big crossovers coming fairly soon, and that's uh, Contagion and then Legacy and the Asriel series mm-hmm. is a part of that mm-hmm. Contagion story. So you'll have to decide whether to uh, <laughs> read those issues jump or, or jump not. ahead. So no, yeah, that's now I have be...
3: read. Like I said, I have read some of them. Like like in Legacy. Actually, I don't know if I've read the Legacy tie-in, because I own... There is an older Legacy, Batman Legacy, uh, trade paperback. And I have that, and I also have the brand new ones that they just released. There's two parts. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get into more of this when we talk about Legacy, but, but I don't know if the old trade paperback even included the Azrael issues, because it omitted a lot. And that's why one thing that the new trade paperbacks try to... Uh, you know, do is include all the issues. I think.
0: Okay, so uh, going alphabetically and skipping the Bs, let's look at the Cs and Catwoman. And uh, you know, there's not a lot of Tim Drake or Batman and Catwoman at this point. But since she will be a part for Catwoman, yeah, she will be a (laughs) part of the legacy and the uh, Contagion storylines. Catwoman twenty. Uh, has a cover date of April 95. And in this one, it says the hottest screenplay in Hollywood guaranteed to be a hit is under the tightest lock and key, but that won't stop Catwoman from getting it. It's video on demand and Catwoman 20 by Chuck Dixon, Jim Belent and Bob Smith. So um just peeking in on Catwoman. Did you guys have anything you want to say about Catwoman or should I just go to the next one? Uh, Catwoman
1: wasn't too bad. I, again that's one of the books i was only reading when i saw tim pop up in it so um, a lot of people refer to uh, jim ballant as i like big boobs jim ballant <laughs> yeah. cuz <'cause> he draws <laughs> you know where where that's going so <laughs> yeah
3: but you know for for whatever reason that was that was the first major exposure i had as a kid to like this is what catwoman looks like you know so i always remember that series fondly even though it is you know a particular interpretation of Catwoman, but the stories are interesting at least at first. And I obviously like the ties into Nightfall and uh, and and I as a kid even I remember getting the that that Batman Legacy trade. I got it, I believe, as an Easter present, uh, funnily enough, uh, from my mom. And you know I don't I didn't really get a lot of trade paper bags back in the day, but but for some reason she just happened to get that one and. I never read the main series and stuff, you know, consistently, but as a kid I got that trade paperback and just remember loving that story and uh, loved how Catwoman is, you know, incorporated into that story.
0: It, over in uh, the Bat Books, Detective Comics 684 also has a co- April uh, 95 cover date, and one of the things that's kind of the continuation is that we saw in uh, Robin at the end of uh, Troika – uh Harvey Bullock getting pretty badly injured with that barrel to the head. And so this is an issue. It's a second part of a penguin story. Uh Tim Drake was in the first uh part a lot. He's not in this at all, not even on one panel. Uh but it does show that Harvey Bullock is up. He's out of the uh, he's still in the hospital, I'm sorry. Uh, but he's walking around. He's on the mend and uh Brock and Montoya are starting to have a little bit of a friendship. And it's a pretty cool fun Batman uh, story and Penguin ends up kind of uh, putting the blame on everybody else and and comes away from it scot free and they're kind of this is sort of Penguin being portrayed more in the the gangster nightclub owner uh, vein that we we see even to this day. That, that was a fun a fun story to read
1: uh, from what I remember of doing and that's kind of like the the fun thing that you and I were talking about is trying to decide where we're going we've been saying okay we're going to stay in the robin series but like now there's some really good ones so maybe some of these things will be kind of cool to like maybe take over to batman and robin eternal and kind of look at them a little bit more like hey we didn't discuss this on this show but we can kind of play with some of that there but uh this will at least keep us on track for kind of the books to watch out for for this podcast so what do you got next Terrence?
0: Yeah, over in Batman 5.18, we we talked about 5.17 last time. 5.18 has got a May 95 cover date, but it's kind of the next in the the line since it was a little bit ahead of Robin's releases – um, this is a Black Mask story. The art by Kelly Jones is pretty fantastic, how he draws Black Mask. Um, now, this has got a lot of stuff, a lot of dominoes that are going to fall into play in, in the Bat books. Uh, but before I get into that, one of the cool things is it's one of the, the few comics I ever remember where Black Mask is shown without the mask. He, he's almost like Deadpool-esque uh, this was probably predates Deadpool, uh, but um, it, it's actually pretty cool to see Black Mask without the mask. Um, am I, you guys recall any other stories where Black Mask took the mask off? Um, the only
1: one that I can recall would be his uh, introduction, and I just got his very first uh, appearance. Uh, with black mm-hmm. mask in it, um, and that's about all I remember was, you know, that that two issue. It's in uh, Batman uh, three eighty six. I'm holding it here in my hands. That's was the only time I can remember him without the mask on. So uh, that had slipped my memory uh, about that being there.
0: Yeah. Now the big thing that's going to play out for us is Harvey Bullock gets out of the hospital. He goes back to work um, and. Um, the uh hardback has been uh, using his uh his desk there and it's all clean and he's very shocked and no one's really making a fuss that he's back and hardback had taken all the all the junk on Harvey's desk put it in a net above his head and then released it and they all yelled they're they're back and he sees commissioner gordon or commissioner jim gordon and he's uh, really excited to see him and he tries to give him a big hug and gordon walks right by him because he had just come from a meeting with the mayor and Gordon has been very anti Batman and not trusting Batman because of uh, the whole Nightfall, Night Quest stuff. And the mayor wants more of a pro Batman commissioner. So he lets him know that Gordon is out as commissioner. And guess who's back as commissioner? His wife, Sarah Eason, or Sarah Gordon mm-hmm. as she. G- yeah. And, um, who, um, may or, or or may not be, be happy about this. So that that's a big fallout in the stories coming up. Um, over in Batman, Shadow of the Bat, uh, may, uh, may 95 cover date for number uh, 38. That's part two of the Joker story, Tears of the Clown. Um, and there is no GCPD uh, storyline going on this and no... Tim Drake at all in this but it's a pretty good uh, Batman Joker story and what's cool about it is and I guess he was doing double duty at the time but Barry Kitson is the penciler on this and he draws like a really cool Joker it's a really unique take on it and I say he was doing double duty because he was also doing the Azrael books at the same time Azrael, yeah. yeah and he had a few it wasn't like a one shot uh, or a fill in like he had a, a little bit of a run there on Shadow of the Bat because remember he was the artist on the Troika issue and, and on one of the Troika issues yep. yeah yep. so he was he was like Tom Grummet doing double duty. So but that that's just a look at uh April of and May of ninety five cover date, which was really like a month or two ahead in the, when they came out. <laughs> oh, cool. I'm glad that we're uh,
1: adding this uh, segment into the show. And while you were talking, not that I was listening, I've had a book on my table here. So the unofficial Batman uh, trivia challenges and one popped into my head. So I'll just throw this in here just because I had it flipped open to the page. It says Batman and Robin were once used to advertise candy cigarettes. True or false? What page of the book is that on? This is on page 244. And it sounds like Ryan may have this book as well.
0: <laughs> well, if I had this book,
1: oh, I don't know. It doesn't tell you.
0: I don't have the it, book. Uh, I'm going to, can I give my answer? Or Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to say false that they were used to advertise real cigarettes because they were like Fred Flintstone and Barney Rubble cartoons with them <laughs> doing cigarette commercials. So I'm thinking that Batman was like promoting Lucky Strike or something like that. And, and Bob Kane uh, even well, said I'm, the penguin came from like a cigarette package, the the, uh, the logo of a cigarette package. Well, uh, no, Bob that's Kane. Bob Kane. I, I, I Bob said Kane he said that. I Bob didn't Bob say that. <laughs> yeah,
3: Bob Kane said a lot of
1: things. Right, <laughs> Bob Kane like he created everything else <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the answer I'm gonna say I'm gonna say go it's ahead. true Rob just for no reason all right well to, uh, Ryan your reason is the correct reason true it doesn't give an explanation why but according to uh, the unofficial Batman trivia challenge by Alan Kester it is true so there you go So we're here in
3: Robin number 21, which has the letter columns, uh, responses for Robin 16 and man, there are some doozy (laughs) level letters in this thing. Like it's hard to pick out things because there are so many like long letters here, but let's see what we got. I'll just read this first one here. This is from Mark J. Kulak from Nanticoke. Pennsylvania. That's PA, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not that ignorant about the uh, states here. So it says, Dear Robin team, re-Robin number 16. Now, this was something, when I read the issue, I couldn't place what was special about it. Sure, Mr. Dixon gave us textbook pacing, <laughs> maybe the best <laughs> he's ever done. Sure, the whole teens on their own enjoying a little romance while on their own from the bad guys. Oh my gosh. That was all a you know hyphenated... had me recalling similar adventures I myself have had, if only in my backyard. But what was it that made the issue so solid, so catchy, so thrifty? The writer didn't cut away to subplots. Not that there weren't any subplots. No, we had Tim's difficulty with Ari and Stephanie's anger with her old man, not to mention the chemistry Tim and Steph kept fighting all issue long. But these themes were all incorporated into the story. Nostalgia was what I was feeling for the days when comics weren't soap opera segments, when one comic told one story, and every page and every panel was concentrated on that task. Isn't that funny? Like, I think that we as comic (laughs) fans say that exact thing, like, every six months or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get back to basics. I want one and done stories. Mr. Dixon remembers. I was so caught up in the adventure that I didn't want it to end. Now, how to say this without hurting Ariana's feelings? All right. It's not that you and Tim just aren't good together. It's just that he and Stephanie are better. Steph's got just enough of that girl who's no good for you, but you can't resist to keep Tim jumping. Her, her recklessness is the perfect foil for Tim's caution. Even in matters of the heart, she speaks right up, which is something Tim needs because he is so reserved or terrified. It's not your fault, Ari. I'm sorry. Uh, and the <laughs> response... And who who is the responder here? Is this is this Gorfinkel? Gorf.
0: Yeah, I think it's Gorf. Yeah, Gorf. So.
3: Gorfinkel? Jordan B. Gorfinkel is associate editor. Okay, so the response is excellent observation about the subplots being woven in the main story in Robin number 16, Mark. I don't agree with you about Tim's choice in girlfriends, though. Tim's choice of Ariana, as opposed to Stephanie, makes a statement about Tim's fundamental character. I'll leave you to figure out what I mean. <laughs> Jeez.
0: And, I, and I, hey. I, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I didn't see the second paragraph. Keep going. And hey, yeah. And hey, are you
3: sure you want to bring up what happened in your backyard in so public a forum as this letter? Call more to the point. Am I sure that I want you to bring it up? <laughs> Question mark.
0: <laughs> this this uh, letter is why periods are important because I was reading it without my glasses and I was and I kind of didn't see a period. And when you read. The one sentence, it says, Steph's got just enough of that girl who's no good for you but can't resist to keep Tim jumping, period. And I read it as Steph's got just enough of that girl who's no good for you but can't resist to keep Tim jumping her. And I'm like, whoa, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, okay, there's a period there. It changes the meaning. So we could (laughs) have used that in episode 69, Rob. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Let's see, let's go to the next one. This is this one's a nice short one before we may or may not decide to do one of these whopper doozy of a letter. Okay. This one is from Casey Kirkpatrick from Johnstown, Kentucky. I believe that's what KY means. Unless you're on episode sixty nine. Uh <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry, it's late. Go ahead. Sorry,
3: yes. This is, uh, again, this is ELTD After Dark. And I'm sure (laughs) Rob will explain this in the uh, 20-minute-long introduction where we talk about all the bits and pieces that made the episode possible. hey yo. Which I personally enjoy because I think it's great. So, (laughs) dear Robin team, after reading every issue so far in Robin's ongoing series, I decided to finally write to you. First of all, I want to commend you on an excellent job. The stories and art are great. I read, oh, I read Robin's Sick number 16 and have a few comments on it. The first thing that jumped out at me was the material the cover was made of. (laughs) Oh, this is great. (laughs) It seemed to be different from normal, and I liked it. The costumes the people who kidnapped Spoiler wore were neat. I also enjoyed seeing the Clue Master. He is probably my favorite of Robin's foes, which brings me to something that has been bothering me for a while. Other than the Speed Boys and Steel Jacket, All of the villains who have appeared in this book so far have been in other books first, in one of the Bat books or a Robin miniseries. Give Robin an original, reoccurring foe. Also, I like the fact that although Batman appeared in this issue, it wasn't as part of another Batman crossover. And that's something we mentioned on the episode itself already. Mm. Before I go, I just wanted to say that I see you still need a heading for your letters column. My choice would be A Little Bird Told Me. I think that's clever. uh, (laughs) That is clever, and I just I said that we talked about something that we didn't talk about yet. Not funny, (laughs) Um, (laughs) because that's something that I thought about when I read the issues, and I wanted to make sure make sure to bring it up. So (laughs) let's see. I'm going to confuse everybody. So the uh, sorry, I make the editing bad on you, Rob. Uh, That's fine. (laughs) So the response, Gorf's response is, uh, "Thanks for writing, Casey. Your first time, yes, not a bad idea for a letters column title." Uh, Spoilers—they don't use that. We really do need to settle that title. Uh, we really do need to settle that already, don't we? Isn't that funny? Like this is issue number twenty-one. They—they've mm-hmm. they've gone over. Ne- they've gone nearly two I, years. Plus yeah. there was a zero issue without picking so, yeah. a letter column. With, yeah, without picking a letter column title. What? <laughs> I mean, well, we'll two will do it next month. Years. Yeah. Two years. That is like. Insane in like comic book like time timelines here. Like some titles don't even make it <laughs> <figure> <laughs> yeah. 21 before the letters column. Okay, uh there has been a villain who made his first appearance in Robin Headbanger. Hey, he counts. I mean, he is part of the list. I'm actually not sure if he can count. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's see. This one is from Colia Fisher from England, and it reads: "Dear Gorf, Spoiler and Robin make a great team." The escape scene, with the way they maneuvered the bed, was fabulous. These two are so much fun to read when they're together. Spoiler brought a much-needed breath of fresh air to the dark streets of Gotham. I love the fact that she told the Boy Wonder that he and Bats take themselves too seriously. Someone finally said it. And it was great to see that she doesn't kowtow to Batman's bark the way Robin usually does. You tell him, spoiler! (laughs) I was relieved to see Robin confiding in someone about his life problems. That's been missing in the comic. That's been missing in this comic since both Alfred and Dick Grayson left. Where are they? And I don't feel that he can really go to Bruce in that same way. Besides, he needs someone his own age to talk to. The banter between Robin and Spoiler was funny and very well played. It was also realistic that Robin's problems with Ari are still on his mind, even while he's working with the Spoiler. I wonder how that's going to play out. To Ari's credit, though, she did try to tell Tim. If only he hadn't fallen asleep. Doesn't it strike Tim as odd that while he's upset about Ari's date with someone else, he's out with Stephanie, say, Will these two ever meet as Tim and Stephanie? You need to delve more into the stepmom thing. Tim has had no real reaction, and I think anyone who suddenly thinks they might face the possibility of gaining a, a step-parent <laughs> would have more thoughts on it than Tim has had. Yes, he's been busy, but still... Finally, there have got to be more Robin titles. I mean bats, soups, and spidey all have more than one. Why not the boy Wonder? Isn't he just as important? I think it's torturous the way we have to wait a whole month to get one Robin title. Somewhere over the rainbow, Colia Fisher. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, that is. Uh, oh there is there's some there's a PS in a in a PPS. The PS says welcome back, Gorf, were you on vacation with Alfred? And the PPS says, Is there ever going to be a soup robin and superboy team up? And of course we know that there is. World's five is <laughs> three. Yes. So Gorf's uh response is uh no, I was on vacation with Catwoman. Check out <laughs> Catwoman annual number two. <laughs> That's funny. Uh Alfred teamed up with Nightwing in the recent Nightwing Alfred's return one-shot special. And nowadays, Dick Grayson may be found in his very own Nightwing miniseries, written by her own Dennis O'Neill and penciled by newcomer Greg Land. And as funny as you should mention, a Robin Superboy team-up. Last week, I met with Superboy editor par excellence Frank Petteris and his able-bodied assistant Christoph Duffy to talk about just that. I'll keep you posted. Robin is a fixture in all the other Bat titles in addition to having his own title. No plans for any more, although you will find Robin the star of the lead story in the latest issue of the newest Bat title, The Batman Chronicles. It's issue number two, written by Alan Grant and penciled by Liam, The Incredible Hulk, Sharp, and you'll be glad you added it to your collection. That
1: is a good issue.
3: Batman and, Chronicles number two.
1: Yeah. And Sharp's pencils are amazing in that book. Hmm. I can't recommend I, that one. I enough.
3: think the Batman Chronicles is a pretty underrated little title. I oh, mean, they only did yeah. what uh, one, it, it was a quarterly title. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. I recently picked up the final issue of that uh, of that series, just because I it, sometimes think it's interesting to find final issues of series like that and see kind of what, how they ended.
1: Yeah. And it's nice to see the. Are they able to finish all the callbacks and other stories that they were, uh, that they had started with? And I think, if I remember yeah. right, the chronicles really kind of wrapped it up where it felt like a nice co cohesive, uh, you know. Yeah, story. I think
3: I think the final issue has something like a uh, untold lost stories or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Okay, so the final letter we picked for uh, this segment, uh, I don't know if we're masochists or just because we want to see if we can do it. And I think it's probably a little bit of both because yes. here on ED- on the ELTD podcast, we do it live and we also uh, do it pretty hardcore And when it comes to uh, Robin Letters Column's uh, segments. So this gem of a letter is from Stuart Brinian from Brooklyn, New York, and it reads like this. Jordan, re-Robin number 16, all fall down. So, it turned out that Stephanie Brown, a.k.a. the spoiler, couldn't spoil Gully's plans without some help from Robin. Does it matter? Fact is, every father should have a daughter as tough and hard-nosed as Steely Steph. Heck, every guy should have a girl like her. One fellow who must wish he didn't have Stephanie for a kid, though, is the Cluemaster himself. Talk about a father and daughter operating on completely different wavelengths. On one wavelength, we have Cluemaster, as cocksure a criminal as Batman and Robin have ever faced. And on the other, we have the spoiler, a costume vigilante who specializes in putting felons like her father behind bars. I couldn't have been more wrong about Arthur Brown if I tried. After last issue, I was sure he'd sought Batman and Robin's help because he was genuinely concerned about his daughter's safety. Well, who, come on now. <laughs> well, Steph certainly straightened at me out on that score, didn't she? Far from being an innocent pawn in Gully's deadly game, Cluemaster it seems was the brains behind it. Spoilers. In fact, not only w- he, In fact, not only wasn't he worried about his kid but he was the one who had ordered Gully to kidnap her in the first place. Unfortunately, Stephanie's re- unfortunately Stephanie's revelation about the sins of her father was just about the only surprise in what was basically a lackluster story. Ah, <laughs> oh, for shame! Yeah. That was good. Uh, for example, after that nifty cliffhanger at the end of the previous issue, with Robin looking on helplessly as Gully and his goons surrounded Steph. All, of, all you could come up with to start off this issue was that anticlimactic escape scene featuring exciting new ways to use a mattress and bed frame? Considering how much heavy artillery they were facing, wasn't it just a little incredible that Robin and Stephanie were able to escape at all? Now, if one of Gully's masked henchmen had turned out to be the Batman working undercover and Tim and Steph were able to escape while Bats created some kind of diversion, that I would have found believable. What about that romantic little interlude between Tim and Steph on page six? The one that had Steph trying to steal kisses from an embarrassed boy wonder, even while Gully and his goons were searching for them. It's not as though they were miles away. For Pete's sake, they were still in the warehouse. What was she thinking? Some scenes, like that one, amusing as it was, didn't click. Others did, though. The scene on page 10, for example, in which Robin waited politely outside Steph's window while she changed in her spoiler duds, or their later scenes showing them swinging from the rooftops, or tooling around in his hot new car, were good stuff. And that scene at the end, proving conclusively that even the most hardened criminal has to answer to his children now and then, worked as well. Stephanie sure can throw a hay- mean haymaker, can't she? And one last beef. When Robin found out, on page 16, where the next heist was going to take place, you never told us. The boy Wonder all but cried out, Eureka! And yet, as the following scene unfolded, and Tim and Steph thwarted another big-time robbery, and Tim took a bullet, I couldn't help but wonder, where the heck are they? In a museum? (laughs) So, that was from Stuart Brinehan from Brooklyn, New York. (sighs) Seems like he didn't like the issue, but wanted to... Talk a whole bunch, so his letter got published, and that's my guess. Yeah. Uh, Gore Finkel's response is, "You are right about our failing to identify the site of the last robbery. That was a very basic storytelling gaffe.
1: It was indeed a museum. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. If you if you go back and rewind the episode to hear um, me do the uh, synopsis on it, as I was recording it, I was like, I felt like I was missing a page, like." Where exactly are they? So I think you could kind of hear from some clever editing. I just kind of slipped <laughs> slipped that in. Mm-hmm. So it's a museum. But even going through the issue, I thought, how did they get there? So that's funny that he picked that they, up. They do make a
3: big fuss about it in the issue, too, because Robin is like, oh, it's so obvious. It's like the definite yeah, choice. Like, what does he say? Like, I've got it right here. It's on page. Yeah. Candy's Granite Lounge. Cane Stove. K and stone and candy's Granite lounge, K and stone and paving candy gypsum. Whoa, you found a possible? No, I found a definite. So then they just jump right to the, <laughs>
1: to the museum, which, you know, it's obviously it is kind of a museum, but that's funny. Cause the candy stone gypsum, whatever. I actually Googled that. Like, am I dumb <laughs> for not knowing <laughs> what that <Candy> is? Gypsum. <laughs> yeah. So I was what like, did you find, uh, it, it was like, uh, it was a gem and but it was like here's a candy here's a stone and here's a candy stone that you can use to make like uh convection convectionary like uh sweets Uh and sugars and stuff like that so i'm like Uh so it's supposed to be in a bakery (laughs)
4: so yeah i was i was
1: really confused (laughs) well we made it through that uh That long letter, and uh, due to some clever editing, you'll either hear or not hear it. And right now, Ryan's going, "You had better be there. Where's (laughs) the letter?
3: Tell me what the letter is.
1: (laughs) Well, I think this is where we're going to end the episode here. You will never edit it for an ordinary letter. (laughs) We'll never do it. (laughs) On the behalf of Rob, Terrence, and Ryan, our long letter reader, this has been Rob and Everyone Loves a Drake, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Take care.
4: dinner
1: thanks for listening to robin everyone loves the drake podcast this has been brought to you by the batmanuniverse.net tim drake robin and all batman related characters are under the copyright of dc comics this podcast is solely for entertainment purposes so no infringement is intended by this show the show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robineltd Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also, over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care.